Professor Jacqueline Hughes, a distinguished kidney researcher and clinician, holds the esteemed position of being Australia's first Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander kidney specialist. She recently received the renowned Lawitcha Research Institute's Cronulla Leadership Award. Professor Hughes, hailing proudly from the Wadagam people of the Mobak Islands, has devoted her career to advancing kidney health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Today we delve into Professor Hughes' remarkable journey and her unwavering commitment to transforming the lives of these communities through her groundbreaking work in kidney health research. First of all, thank you for joining us today on NITV Radio, Jackie, and congratulations on the Krinlana Leadership Award. Can you tell us about your journey as a kidney researcher and clinician? How did you get started and who were some influential figures along the way? Thanks, Sierra. I've been a doctor for a long time. I went to do my medical training at the University of Newcastle and I went straight out of high school. So I um, did high school here in the Northern Territory based on Larrakia country and you know, looking after people was um, a strong principle in my family growing up. So my grandma was a doctor here at the hospital. Her name was Pauline Wilson. She had lots of professional roles, including being the medical superintendent at the time when I was thinking about what to do with my life, you know, post high school. So I guess that's a huge influence from my family. Big encouragement. You know, this is what we do. We help people. (laughs) We help others. And, you know, while it continues to be a big issue now, you know, 2023, even back then when I was leaving school, I knew that kidney health was a really important issue for people of the Northern Territory. And as I've learned over time, it's a huge issue for everyone in Australia, but also internationally. So I guess that's what I wanted to do. I want to provide care as a doctor. But what I learned along the way was we didn't have all of the care structures in place to provide good care for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And so that's why I wanted to learn about um, how research works. And I've been committed to that part of scholarship as a researcher. And I guess that's sort of how that pathway got me through to the amazing acknowledgement from the Lowerture community for the Cranlana Leadership Award. How has receiving the Lowerture Cranlana Leadership Award impacted your work and aspirations in advancing kidney health for the community? So I guess it's only very new. I only got the award last week. But it's a huge recognition of the way that I've chosen to be a part of the research sector and the research industry and how I've chosen to be a part of the healthcare industry. I'm the first Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander kidney specialist in this country and we have so many people um, of our families across all nation groups in the con- you know, the mainland as well as in the islands that are in fact that are impacted by kidney disease. So it's really fantastic for the status, the high status of the Lowitch Institute and of their partners who award those 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 awards to recognise how we do our business and communities' rights to um, achieve health on their terms. So I'm looking forward to just continuing my work having had that endorsement. But you know I'm also looking forward to exploring um, the other things that go along with the Cranlada Award about, you know, exposing myself to different leadership techniques that I'm looking forward to doing in the next year. Yeah. Well, in your work, how do you prioritise cultural and holistic knowledge alongside clinical expertise? How do you strike a balance between these different aspects? Yeah, and I guess that's a really important question is why do we have to strike a balance? That would be what community would say because to be existing within our culture should be something that's celebrated everywhere we go and yet that hasn't been a pain a part of the healthcare industry. We've only had really recent innovations, particularly in my field about kidney health that we've only recently had a guideline for good care for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with kidney disease. That's all that only produced, you know, at the end of last year after, you know, five and eight years of consultation and development. But, you know, we've reached this precipice now of the really hard work to define that cultural safety and the cultural health of our people is really important in every parts of health. 
including in my specialist area about kids' disease. So I'm looking forward to now putting that into place. One of the ways we've actually been putting that into place in a healthcare level is through our work on the National Indigenous Kidney Transplantation Task Force, which we've had three years of work for, and we're asking for a partnership with the federal government for our next bit of work on that. Could you share innovative approaches or strategies you've used to address kidney health challenges in these communities? Where were these approaches implemented and what were the outcomes? I guess this is a, an overlap between the principles of research and the principles of healthcare delivery. It's where those things come to. So that's how I can sort of see a full circle on things. I guess if you're only part of, you know, one part of it, you can only see a small part of it. So I guess the approaches are to stand in your sovereignty, you know, know who you are, know who your people are, know what your people want, you know, in the way that we want to, you know, be experienced in the world and just to hold to that. I think that's the main thing. And then once you know, <laughs> once you're confident of that and, you know, you've got support to do that, um, because that can be really challenging, you know, you just say this is how this has to be. You know, we have the right to have sovereignty over our place to be in the workforce. We have the right to have sovereignty over how, you know, we want to experience an interaction in the healthcare system. We have sovereignty over the rights to have data to support our questions about our health and how to drive back towards good health. Those are really the innovative approaches. But, you know, they're not innovative in terms of the millennia of history of our people, but they are innovative in terms of the recent history in Australia with, you know, with this biomedical healthcare system. How do you advocate for the importance of cultural considerations and the involvement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, medical professionals in the healthcare field? Well, I can advocate for it because I know what works for me to assist me to be strong as a woman, as strong as a person and to be effective for my, my, my healthcare clinician partners and to my patients as a community. And then I guess I could give you an example from the National Indigenous Kidney Transplantation Task Force. We were actually, we knew that we had real opportunity to improve equality and access to kidney transplantation. And we presented that to the federal government for their support so that we could drive that changes and improvement. And they actually came back to us and asked us to do a piece of work describing cultural bias in the renal care system for transplantation access. So then that was a piece of work that we've been able to structurally bring into the task force um, and with all of the healthcare services across most of Australia to consider about that. And through those things, we had discussions as well, who's doing the work? How can Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have the rights to participate across all levels of the workforce? And so then you start in one place and you just move to the next. And sometimes you've got to stand still and we try not to take a step backwards. I guess, I guess um, those are the ways that I do cultural considerations. And then I guess in one specific area, because I'm a healthcare provider and it's a, it's a real principle of, um, of healthcare practice that we innovate practice to what's needed is that I actually have support from my health service to actually design things and deliver things. So that's um, one of the works that we presented last week at the Lowich Institute Conference on work that we were funded by the Apprise Ramsey COVID-19 research grants about innovations that we wanted to put in place to help um, our patients do well under extraordinarily high pressure time of COVID and so that was actually featured on day three which was response um, how are we responding as an industry to supporting our health and survival and so we were able to look at that lens about the care of people during a time of COVID pandemic at a time when people would otherwise be medically really vulnerable because of the illness stage of kidney disease. What do you see as the key priorities for further advancing kidney health and overall health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, communities in the future? So I guess there's um, key priorities at lots of different stages. So the National Indigenous Kidney Transplantation Task Force sees key priorities around building into cultural safety and having the whole of the health 
health services understand what that means to actually know what it is but also to deliver it and to report against it. We've got other priorities is about having you know regular reporting so that data informs practice, data informs practice review and renewal. We also nationally for all Australians know that it's really important that because kidney disease can be very silent as an illness but you could lose kidney function a lot is that to have really good strategies to detect and to screen for uh, indicators of kidney damage. That's as simple as a blood test and a urine test and a blood pressure. And so we'd recommend that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have that done every year. But you need to have conversations with community that, you know, once we detect those things, there is actually really great treatments available. And so that requires a really good partnership in local areas between community members and their health service. And it's been really challenging through COVID that there's been such a lot of workforce pressures, um, just, you know, just getting over that huge huge, huge activity that required to just be safe through the pandemic. And so then that's why, you know, when we're looking at the huge workforce challenges, we must take the opportunities, growing the workforce to recover. And that should include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the kidney industry. So I think that those are the key priorities. Uh, Just to name a couple. Looking ahead, how do you envision the evolution and impact of your research in terms of location, population served and expanding the reach of your work? So I'm at Flinders University Rural and Remote Health and the position that um, I'm supported to deliver here is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Advancement. So that really positions me as being a servant to community around what community might want to advance on their terms and for which my broad skills might be able to enable that. So I think that that's what is, that's the evolution is, is that supporting community to have self-determination in health, achieving health, about them defining what it is to achieve health, about supporting community to define how they want that to be described and reported and to have sovereignty over what they would do with data. And so I think that that's that's the really important part of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health research sector now, which is very different to what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago and beyond, that this is now squarely the opportunity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to define the health advancement that they want. I think it's also a really good opportunity with the voice referendum, that this is how voice happens. Communities have the right to be able to define what they want and how they want it and to negotiate terms to achieve that. And so the reach of this is these principles are available all across sovereign countries of Australia and the Torres Strait. And more and more people, you know, I'm just, you know, there's, there was a whole network of 1,200 delegates at the Lower Institute conference like this last week and very, very consistent in Australia, but also in First Nations communities internationally. Um, This is how business is done now. Um, There's no alternative way to it. So yeah, that's really exciting because when Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are in charge of community, they're in charge of healthcare, and they're in charge of research, and they're in charge of affiliated stakeholders, you know, we can really look forward to having a big improvement in the standards of health and related aspects of health in the next 10 years really quite sure of it. Well, Jackie, thank you very much for taking your time to speak with us today on NITV Radio. Thanks very much, Sierra.